Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast, hosted by Ben Wyatt, your destination for product development, food trends, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Right, we are we are live. Uh, awesome. You can't be nervous anymore. So no, not nervous. <laughs> so, right, real. Welcome back to the show. I'm with Kate Johansson, who is the founder of Koja. Thank you very much for your time, Kate. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, no worries. Well, I said the name right of the brand. I don't yep. know why people get it wrong, but what do people call it? You said what happened? Koja. Co- yeah. Oh, it is Koja, but sometimes we get a soft J. Oh, I really? think it's a made-up word. So is it really? Let's start. That's question number one. Then done. <laughs> <laughs> Where did Koja come from? <laughs> it is made up from my initials. So I essentially was ah. working in the supplement industry for a company that I loved, but I didn't agree with their products. Yeah. Okay. And so I wanted to create my own range, which I did, and I'll probably get into that later. Yeah. Um, but. Koja is the first two letters of my first name and the first two letters of my last name mixed up to create a word that sounded cool because I wanted to put my name to it. And what it does is reminds me that I should always be, you know, honest and truthful about what what's behind the brand and what the ingredients are and I'll never compromise on the products because my name is on it and... uh, Quality is the most important thing. Unbelievable. Well, now we know that, please tell me more. Who are you for the people who are listening? Because you've got some great news to tell us about a a launch into a major retailer. But that has been one stage of your journey. Let's go back to the very start. Who are you and where's your journey? And we'll just chip in from there. All right. (laughs) Um, So I think... Where to start? Got it. Where to start? This is your podcast. Yeah, all right. Um, So starting about like what happened before I started Koja and what led me to starting my own business. I I studied business, uh, so I've always been interested. I've always been one to um, question the rules. I was not a very good student at school. Okay. (laughs) Ask anyone I went to school with. <laughs> but, in what um, way? Let's build on that. In what way? Oh, I was nearly expelled. You really? I was there we go. This is the juicy stuff. There we go. All right. I awesome. ended up like finishing and getting a, a good education from a really good school, but there was a time when I was, yeah, around 14, I was uh, not really interested in school and um, got suspended a couple of times. But... Can, can, you, uh, can you go into why? Disruptive behaviour. In class or were you trying to like rebel against the school? Yeah, in class, not not turning up to school. Okay. Like, um, God, I didn't think now. I was going to be Look talking you know. about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can go on I, I like the the positive way I like to look at that is I wasn't mentally stimulated at school, yeah. so I then wanted to just push the boundaries and you know that has carried into my career obviously running your own business you have to push the boundaries um it's not always appropriate in school and I'm sure if any of my old school teachers were listening to this they would um probably be shaking their fists or shaking their heads at me I was not a very good student but I recovered. Okay, perfect. So then now, now you're embarrassed. Let's move on. So yeah, fantastic. When, when did you know you wanted to get into business? Then? Um, 
I can't actually remember a moment or anything like that. I think it's always been in my blood. Like my dad runs his own business. Yeah, my yeah. grandparents run their own businesses. Um, I think there is something in the, you know, the nature side of it yes. in terms of my personality. Um, but I studied business at RMIT and then also at a business college in Boston mm-hmm. um, and sure. just loved it, yeah. like, especially the Boston element. I did a semester, it was a one-semester um, scholarship exchange at uh, Babson University, which is very, or Babson College, it's very well known for their entrepreneurship oh, cool. teachings. Um, and that just got me hooked. I was like, all right, I've got to do this. Um, but either fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, I did meet a gorgeous Swedish man while I was studying in Boston. And yeah, you had something to share about that earlier. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so I came back from Boston and I ended up following my heart over to Sweden um, and yeah, I'm now married to him. So that was a good decision, yeah, but it did yeah. take the, um, my career on a little bit of a detour. Um, but I did find myself working for a fast growth startup in Stockholm. Okay. And my role was to build their, um, their UK customer base. So it was, it was a sales role working in digital marketing. Um, but it was for a startup. And so it was very cool. entrepreneurial. I was given a lot of, freedom whether or not I was given it or I yeah, <laughs> kind right. of took it on board but you can't get expelled for a you get sucked <laughs> no but I, yeah. I think I, I delivered yeah. um but I was flying over to London from mm-hmm. Stockholm every couple of um weeks or months yeah. and meeting with new clients and and just what my role was was really to sell the online platform but what I discovered was I was meeting these clients in the UK getting to learn about their business and a lot of them were small businesses some were big but a lot of them were small businesses um, so learning about what their challenges were in terms of marketing and filling up their um, their courses and selling their services and then I my role was to tailor the offering that we had to something that would suit them okay and so what I worked out was that our our service was flexible and it needed to be. And so my role was to come up with a solution for them. And I think that's, I mean, that's entrepreneurship if we want to use that term. Um, so it has always kind of been natural to me. Um, but working at that startup in Stockholm yeah. um, was so cool. It was just like there were, or, I think there were 100 employees and I think 95% of them were under 30. The founders were all like in their mid-20s. I was 23. It was, you know kind of like, the, let's just say that after work drinks were very <laughs> entertaining. Funny, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what I always think about young uh, businesses. It's like just people walking around on Instagram 24-7. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, should we block off? Mm, no, yeah, that was a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah, right. Work hard, play hard, I think was the attitude of that company. Yeah. Um, but eventually I convinced my husband to move back to yeah, Australia. Yeah. Um, Had enough of the cold winters. Yeah, I uh, don't know how <laughs> they will do it. I um, the two winters that I spent in Stockholm were the coldest in thirty years, and mm. it changes you. Like it I think, dark. yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> being dark. from the UK, but 
I would, even in like February, it would still be minus five in Stockholm and I'd go over to London for work and it'd be like nine degrees or something. I'd be like, this is amazing. I'd be out in the sunshine, like (laughs) peeling off layers and everyone in London's like, oh, it's so cold and miserable. I'm like, you don't know anything. (laughs) Yeah. I remember going to Stockholm for Christmas and I arrived in fluid got the train to, to Stockholm where I stayed and um, went out on the went out on the piss and came home like three, four AM, went to sleep, woke up and it was dark and I was like, oh, okay, still the middle of the night kind of thing. Went back to sleep. But I could hear people talking downstairs and I was like, oh, why are people like up in the middle of the night? And then finally got out of bed and went downstairs and was like Oh, what time is it? And it was like, like seven PM. Yeah. And I slept all the way through, but because it's dark, you just get so, so strange. lost. And then so I missed the forty-minute window of sunlight. <laughs> then it was seven PM. I, 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 yeah. It screwed me over. It's like, so strange. It's such a weird place. Yeah. What a great place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in in summer, you would go to like a bar, and you'd go. It would be daylight at say like ten PM, and so you'd go into a bar or a club. And you'd come out at 2 a.m. and it, like the sun had set, if you, yeah. if you kind of call it that. It never gets really dark in mm. summer, but the sun had gone down and come up again. And so you're coming out at 2 a.m. <laughs> Mind you, this is like, you know, eight years ago. I don't go out until 2 a.m. anymore, but at the time I did. And yeah, coming out and it's daylight and you're like, uh, oh, it's 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. Uh, uh, so let's fast forward then. So you've had party time in Stockholm, you <laughs> yeah. had party time in London, you got expelled from school, uh, <laughs> now it's time to oh, settle no. in, isn't it? So you put, so you set, did you set it up in Melbourne then, tell, tell me the story about that, how did, how did you become who you are now? Yes, <laughs> trying to, I'll try to recover and make myself seem like a professional <laughs> business person now that Good you've one. drawn <laughs> out all <of> those dark <laughs> secrets. <laughs> I moved back to Melbourne after a couple of years in Sweden Um, and while I was studying at RMIT I did some work at Deloitte so when I moved back uh, through some contacts at Deloitte I ended up getting a role um, sort of beside the Carlton Football Club to launch a venture that they'd um, had a concept Mm -hmm. stage. Um, So my role was to commercialise a range of sports nutrition products that they'd been making for their athletes. Yeah, right. Just for Carlton Football Club. Yeah, that was it. Um, Yeah, amazing opportunity. I was like so over the moon. Um, And what they wanted to do was commercialise the products so that they could sell them to other professional athletes. And then phase two was launching them to the public. Um, so I got thrown in. I was very much like it was running a startup. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any equity in the business, but I was really calling the shots in terms yeah, yeah. of what we were going to do. Wow. I very quickly learned about you know everything that it is to to start a business, um, and particularly in this or in that mm-hmm. um, industry, I had to learn the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, and. Um, food standards because we did protein powders that fall under food standards yep. and then we did supplements that fell under TGA yeah, okay. um, but as well as like um, budgeting financials learning about margins learning about um, strategy marketing accounting it was just wow. everything um, so great opportunity but as I sort of moved into that role um, and the business grew 
I very quickly realized that the products just didn't align with my own values. Um, And I found it really hard to to work, particularly in the sales environment, which in any startup, like it's all about (laughs) sales, um, especially in this industry. Um, But I couldn't really sell the products because I didn't believe in them. Yeah, okay. and that led me to wanting to start Koja, which our initial product range was a real food alternative to supplements. Mm-hmm. So it was, we still sell them, um, but I'll get on to why they don't, they're not our number one sellers at the moment. Um, but I, the, the breakfast topper range was a mix of, or is a mix of 10 to 12 nuts, seeds and superfoods. Mm-hmm. So things like cacao powder and um, cinnamon and things like that. Um, they contain over 25 vitamins and minerals. And the idea was I'd basically seen the commercial success of the supplement industry. And whilst I didn't believe in the products personally, I couldn't deny the fact that they had market demand. Yeah. There, you know, this was the time of Swiss when everyone yeah, had a, a bottle of Swiss. And so, yeah, I, I was looking at that and I was looking for what's where's a gap, where's an opportunity, where's something different. Um, and that came, that from that I came up with the breakfast toppers. Because you were the kind of the first to market that with breakfast toppers. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah, true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it kind of worked, it worked in my advantage. Um, the breakfast toppers were, I mean, they're a beautiful product, mm-hmm. It was very easy to get them on shelf. When I started selling them wholesale, yeah. buyers loved them because they were essentially a category extension product. They yeah. weren't sitting on shelf competing with another muesli or another trail mix. They were something new. Yeah. Um, but the challenge was in getting them off the shelves because the end user probably just, you know, everyone's only got a couple of seconds in the supermarket or the health food store when they're looking at new products. Mm-hmm. And I think we fell in as an expensive muesli and nobody really understood how to use it. They worked really well when I was at farmer's markets, like back in the day. Yeah, okay. Did you used to do them? Yeah, that's how I started with the breakfast toppers. Um, They're hard work. Anyone that has ever run a farmer's market (laughs) knows it's um, definitely not for the faint-hearted. But um, it was great to meet customers and talk to them and genuinely you know, hear about, it's amazing how open people can be um, and genuinely talk to people about their digestive issues, their health challenges, talk about how this product can help and really make a difference. And the product really did work and yeah. does work and, you know, it helps digestive issues in um, many different areas. It's very high in fibre, very high in um, vitamins and minerals, uh, protein, it's all natural, it's low in sugar. I mean, they're amazing, <laughs> but they weren't commercially viable. I mean, anyone in FMCG would know it's very hard to sell a product with an RRP of fifteen ninety five. Yeah, the market was very small, especially in cereals. I like in that kind of yeah, market. exactly. This is one of the biggest kind of barriers that I used to face. Where cereal people expect a box to be three, four, five dollars max. Yeah. With and in that box, you probably well, in my servings, you probably got three servings in a box. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so what's on the packet? It should be like seven or eight. <laughs> when in whichever meal you have, any time of the day, would you spend fifty cents on a meal? And that's a, that's cereal in a nutshell. Like every time you have a bowl of cereal, it's fifty or sixty cents 
her serve. Yeah. And then you come along and go, well, here's, here's some goodness in a box. Oh, you have to pay for it? People are like, oh, no, I'd rather stick to my sugary shit. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. So I can see why you had a, a headache there. But then, yeah. so that, I wouldn't say fail, but you, you got a lot of learning. Yeah, I had from to that. evolve. Yeah. yeah. And then where was next after that? Yeah, um, it, it was a long road. It wasn't failure. I think it was um, evolving. Mm. Uh, the business and I'm I'm really maybe it's because I'm an optimist but I'm really grateful for all the learnings yeah. of the last few years but what really happened with the breakfast toppers is about uh, it was only a sort of eight or nine months into launching the business I went on Shark Tank did you really yeah oh. so it was season one look at this I've done my research <laughs> I mean, I was it really wow yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we got a lot of success from yeah. Shark Tank uh, I got up, got up and, you know, talked about the breakfast toppers mm-hmm. and I think in hindsight what really resonated with people was the story behind the products and the values of the products yeah, yeah. and, you know, my passion. Um, we did a lot of sales in the yeah, last, okay. in the like next 24 hours after the Shark Tank yeah, Show right. episode aired. Going to have um, to use this in the introduction. Like, this is <laughs> <laughs> Shark Tank Celebrity. Like, oh, yeah, that's sure. <laughs> I think I was a celebrity for about five seconds. We, I got like, um, you know, stopped in the street, and people were like, "Oh, I saw you on Shark Tank last week." I was like, "Oh, this is awkward." I was like, "Yeah," uh, but um, yeah, Shark Tank. So Shark Tank was good because mm-hmm. it meant that we made a lot of money out of that breakfast topper range but it also kind of distracted me from the fact that they weren't commercially viable because we had sold so much I was like this is fantastic like all of my margins were right all of my supply was right you know I had all the systems set up to to deliver we were doing it wholesale we were doing it um through an e-commerce site so the business did work um but then when we tried to grow we were sort of hitting that those barriers and realizing that we had to to, well, realizing that I had to change the product offering yeah, okay. um, to something that was more scalable um, and more, you know, commercially viable. Mm-hmm. And then we launched uh, Protein Pancakes. Yep. Uh, and they, I mean, again, a great product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's really no or very few. Mm-hmm. I should... Again, there was nothing on the market yeah. in that space. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I was really one of the first protein pancakes out there. Now there's a couple of brands doing it. Um, but I would say I'm – so I'm not celiac, but all of our products are gluten-free. And I think the best thing about our pancakes is that you wouldn't know that they're gluten-free. Yeah. I think a lot of brands that are gluten-free, they're like eggy or dodgy or, you know, yeah. <laughs> just nasty. Um, but ours are really fluffy and I think – that's like almond meal and buckwheat flour that gives it a really fluffy texture, like a true pancake texture. But then we've got all the beautiful protein from organic black bean powder, organic brown rice uh, protein powder, and you know even then whole, whole food sources like almonds and chia seeds. Yep. Um, but yeah, again, the pancakes, they were a beautiful product. We had beautiful branding and we had great um, brand values. Yeah. So we launched them and saw you know, a huge rush of sales, Um, but it still wasn't getting easier. And I think running, I was probably now three years into this business and I was just waiting for it to not get easier as in get easy, but just for something to start like um, 
rolling and ticking yeah, okay. along and it was it just felt like every day was getting it's up and away. yeah it was really and were really you doing tough. this full time would you did you put everything into it or were you still doing a bit with carlton or um no after so after shark tank yeah. i went full time yeah, in the business yeah. um so it does you know it it was really hard yeah. I, I think um i've certainly uh grown a lot as a person like individually I think I've um it's really made me a lot stronger and in the first few or maybe the first 12 months of running Koja I would take things personally and I would really get stressed out but when things went wrong now I'm like stuff goes wrong all the time like we are always making mistakes I'm always making mistakes nothing's perfect and you know like sorry to be crass but shit hits the fan all the time and I'm just like yeah whatever so this is how we're gonna fix it you know even right now we're in the middle of corona and I think there's lots of people that are really struggling with it emotionally Mm -hmm. I was joking to a friend the other day saying oh I've had five years of dealing with (laughs) shit hitting the fan with our startup like this is just normal with the startup like stuff happens it's outside of your control and all you've got to do is be able to respond to it in the best way that you can and I think you know it's it's um it means that you know you don't get bogged down by hiccups along the way yeah and we were talking before because it sounds like there's going to be a lockdown or stuff like that segregation coming and we're saying this is a perfect opportunity for some people and i'm calling the there's going to be doers and there's talkers yeah there's going to be some people that will use this time to create something new learn a new skill or just do something that they've not done for a long time or spend time with their family or there's going to be those people that just talk uh, who will say they're busy, whether they're just sitting watching Netflix again. So it'll be interesting to see what the next few months kind of happens, but hopefully it's good for your business um, because it sounds like you're already, you're already online in different platforms and health stores um, seem to be doing very well at the moment because people are stocking up. So yep. let's see how that pans out. Yes, but, and it's probably the perfect segue yeah. into our national launching call. Which is currently... <laughs> Just waiting to mention that. (laughs) So you've done all these hard yards, you've had it three years, and would you say now is the break that you've been looking for, or do you just feel that you've all this hard work that people don't see, this is now kind of the the fruition of what you've... I think any um, business owner would know that, you know, I think you you become an overnight success in in six years of really hard work. Um, But I think for me, I look at the first three years and think of that as just absolute, um, yeah, I won't swear. (laughs) No, I won't. (laughs) Um, But then we launched the bars. So the bars came out in um, the beginning of 2018. And finally, that was when things started to get easier and when I say easier they were still really really hard we had our fair share of challenges launching the bars Um, but every order like wholesale orders with the pancakes and the breakfast toppers we really had to like um, chase for the order and be like you know you sold out do you want to get another one whereas we had as soon as we launched the bars we we put them out into our existing stockers which at the time was probably three or four hundred retailers across um, mainly Melbourne and Sydney and I had um, one of the stores called me like a week after their first order. So they'd probably had only had the stock on the shelf for four or five days. 
And he's like, hey, Kate, how are you going? You know, I'd worked mm. with him for a while with the other rangers. And he's like, yeah, can I get another few cartons? And I was like, oh, no, you know, you're, I got your order last week. It was it sent out. Has it not arrived yet? Yeah, right, yeah. You know, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going, I didn't believe it. He's like, no, yeah, we got it last Friday. They've sold out over the weekend. Can I get, you know, six of that and six of that? Yeah. And I was just like, I was probably silent on the phone, just like, oh, yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> but in the background, I probably hung up and was yeah. like, oh my God, they've sold out. Like, so I think that was when I realized that, you know, we all lead really busy lives mm-hmm. and the convenience of the bars was what really worked. Yeah. Um, and also they're extremely delicious. <laughs> so you got the green light from Coles. Yeah. So it's going into the, the health, it's on the health category, yep. in the health aisle. When's launch for that? When's... Um, so... A, it was essentially yesterday. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, we found out... So we've been trialling with Coles for about six months now. Um, our hurdle rates were around, I think, six or eight um, per skew per week. And in some of the trial stores, we were doing 45 units. Um, so we were smashing them, wow. which was really exciting to see. Um, and then, yeah, in January, we got the go-ahead for national ranging and obviously all this corona stuff has happened. Yeah. But um, we are now in, I think the um, relay is complete or it's 95% complete. And, yeah, we're now promoting that we're in every Coles store across Australia. So it's great to have the support of a major retailer like Coles through yeah. a time like this when... I think people aren't browsing. They're not going to health food stores. They're, you know, if they're leaving, they're, we're all trying to stay home as much as yeah. possible. So if you're leaving your house to go and get groceries, you probably are going to a major supermarket. Yeah. Um, so it's great to be available That's through fantastic. that network. Yeah. And what's been the customer feedback so far? Because you'd have your hardcore loyal fans, hopefully, uh, that's been buying your breakfast toppers and your pancakes. Yeah. And now you've got the bars, which will bring in a whole new host of consumers who are who have never seen your past history. Yeah. Is and how's that affected your loyal customers to your new customers that you want anyway? Because they're going to help grow the business. Yeah. What's been the feedback so far? Um, overall, the feedback for our bars is overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are, you're right, there are people that have followed me and Koja from the beginning and, you know, love everything that we do. Yeah. All of the products that I've launched since the Breakfast Stoppers have um, followed those same principles. So high nutrient mm-hmm. density, and we achieve that by using whole foods and um, nuts and seeds, yeah. um, but also low sugar and yeah. all natural. Yeah. So um, if you're passionate about low sugar products and all natural products and real food products, then a lot of my customers, you know, love everything that yeah, I do, yeah. which is great to have that support. Like, and I, like some of my customers honestly feel like family and I, I may have never met them, but yeah. they're just like, they order all the time and I'll send them a little note whenever I get their order. And yeah, no, it's, it's lovely. Um, but then obviously, yeah, the, there are a lot of customers that just buy the bars. Um, I think, to, to talk about like what makes our bars different, yeah. I think the really exciting thing about our bars is where they fit in the category. We I was looking at the category thinking, you know, snack bars and protein bars mm-hmm. is a highly saturated, yeah. highly competitive market. 
Um, you know, the idea of launching a bar into as a small business, as a tiny business, yeah. and going up against these multi-million dollar brands. I was like, okay, I've got to have something <laughs> yeah. different. And I think going back to like uni days, have you ever heard about like um, Blue Ocean Strategy? Do you know? No. I don't know. It's just something that it has always kind of stuck with me from uni days. And it's about having a product that's extremely different. And it means that in this category, um, our competition is somewhat irrelevant. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. I don't want to sound, you know, too... You can do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll explain why I believe our competition is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And it's because I think the category or the bar category is broken up into your natural options. Mm-hmm. So these are bars that are... Um, you know, energy bars or snacking bars, um, even some um, protein balls that have got a base of dates. And you see it, if you know anything about the the category, there are just hundreds of brands that the first ingredient is dates and dried fruit. And they even say things like no added sugar on the front, which I think is a flaw of our food standards um, requirements that they're allowed to, because I think it's so misleading that a bar can have you know, it can be 60% dates and dates are about 70% sugar. And so a little bar that might be 30 or 40 grams can have 20 grams of sugar in it. And then on the front, it says no added sugar. Anyway, (laughs) I could talk about it for a long time, but there's, so there's all the natural bars that are, you know, I'm yet to find one that doesn't have dates. And then the other side of the category is your sports nutrition. Mm -hmm. So all the high protein, um, highly processed, Mm -hmm. generally taste like cardboard. (laughs) (laughs) I do know you're a fan of protein bars and I'm going to try and change your mind by the end of this interview. Um, But yeah, everything's full of um, rubbish and stuff that's not good for your gut health and a lot of people have um, digestive issues following eating those um, or even symptoms that maybe you don't even you're not even aware of but um, they can cause bloating they can cause headaches Um, I don't think we're aware of the long-term implications of fueling our bodies with additives and preservatives Mm -hmm. and artificial ingredients and Mm -hmm. you know what what should really be a waste product things like soy protein isolate like it is it's high in protein, so people put it in products, but it's not food. So I've created a bar that is um, high in protein, it's satiating, it's all natural, and it's low in sugar because we don't use any dates. So we're sitting in that blue ocean yeah. space between the two areas of the category. And there's, I'm, I'm, I've been... Um, making these bars for almost two years now and I'm yet to see any real competition in that exact space. It'll be interesting to see when that comes. Yeah. That'll be yeah. who... Bring it on. <laughs> when, yeah, whether it's a brand that see... Because you're going to be stealing market share away from probably both sides. Yeah, hopefully. Because <laughs> That's there'll, the there'll plan. be people like me that, like, as you know, we had Grenade on and that's a great tasting protein bar. Still highly processed so yeah. there's no there's no denying that and seeing the factory of how it make how you make it the syrups that just you kind of go i'm eating that because there has not been an alternative yeah it's just been an awful tasting protein bar to it now okay it's a nice tasting protein bar, still highly processed but then i look at the natural bars in quotes 
And he's just full of dates. Yeah. So true. So, exactly. So we are the only solution sitting in the it, middle. It will just be very interesting to see who now comes and goes, oh no, who's this uh, yeah. lady who's now stealing our market share? And it'll Hopefully. be interesting see which brand yeah, does that. So It was interesting hearing your episode with Grenade. I yeah. heard you say in the episode that they sell 1.5 million bars. And you kind of yes. paused and I was like waiting for you to say like per per month or mm. per quarter and I was like wow I've got a long way to go like this is so exciting <laughs> and then yeah you're like per week I'm like oh and and only that was only in one country I was just it's crazy. <laughs> blown away I, did I was not like think they, they people buying, so. yeah so I was like I think they've been going for 10 or 11 years yeah, and I was like all right well I'm five okay. years five almost six years in I was like all right so give me another five years yeah. and we'll come back again, <laughs> yeah, uh, totally. when corona's disappeared yeah. and we can actually see each other and uh, we'll uh, we'll see where yeah. we're at to them you'll be you'll be in your mansion or your do you think a yacht or <laughs> <a> beachfront <laughs> I don't know I don't honestly like I mean that's maybe this is um cliche but I'm really not in this for the money mm. like I'm so passionate about what I do and I think I'm so lucky to be able to work with something that I really love like and I've worked a long time with Koja with taking very minimal salary people think that are oh, you on your own business you're you're making millions like no unless you do run your own business it's hard to understand how much reinvestment goes back yeah, into true. the business um and you know obviously I, I hope to be financially successful and you know we're starting to see that now um, but it's not my motivation. Like yeah. I'm not here to buy a, a big house and a and a yacht. Yeah. Um, I'm here to really make a difference. That's and right. I think that's what really does set Koja apart from other brands. I would much rather reinvest in in you know um, creating content that helps to educate customers like you yeah. <laughs> that don't realise that their protein bar is full of rubbish that's probably doing irreparable damage to your, your kidneys I'm and your liver. So, yeah. Just, yeah. You're a nutritionist yeah. and you eat that I shit? Yeah. Because I eat... I don't, I, don't do it. Well, I, Can I you eat one of those? I'll eat, I'll eat some of your bars. Thanks. I, I don't eat them all the time. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we'll have a chat off air. I'll give you a lecture. Uh, I remember when Quest, remember Quest bars? When yeah. They, when everyone was... Yeah. They're still very popular. <laughs> But how? They're what? so disgusting. You look at another topic, but yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. One. But I think actually this leads into one of the other big challenges mm. that we have, and that is now being in Coles, our ideal customer is actually someone that's given up on the category because oh, okay, yeah. they're sick of date-based bars yeah. and they don't want to eat these highly processed, cardboard-tasting, yeah. rubbish protein bars. So they've given up on the category altogether and they're probably you know, off in baking aisle, yeah, maybe yeah. making their own from yeah. scratch, or they're they're not shopping in the major supermarkets for snacks altogether because they can't find something that they want. Yeah. So our challenge, and it's a big challenge for our marketing team, but also a really exciting um, opportunity, mm -hmm. is to bring people back into that sports and diet Fantastic. category and say, we've got an all-natural protein bar. It's gluten-free. It's vegan. It's made in Australia. It's real food only. It's 75% less sugar than your average natural snack bar. It's, um, you know, it's really good for you. It tastes amazing. Once people try it um, and realize how satiating the bar is, we do get an incredible repeat purchase. Um, but, yeah, the biggest challenge is just getting people to take a risk on something when they've given up on that 
category oh. altogether. And what are they selling for? What's the three dollars fifty? Okay, yeah. so, so it's yeah. the same across yeah. majors, independents, and, so it's not and like online. The breakfast toppers at fifty. No, <laughs> I learnt my lesson. Yeah. Where do you think next for your brand then? And because at the end of the, when I used to work in the retailer, it, people were like, "Oh, I'm on the shelf," and it's like, "Well, you know that you've got to stay on the shelf now." <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Where do you think's next, or what's your kind of yeah? next progression is it products or is it just building the brand which way um it's both (laughs) it's um full steam ahead for us we've um grown our team significantly in the last couple of months um there's new products in development right now we've got um another major supermarket is doing their range review i I won't name names but it's pretty obvious in australia Um, but we're doing some new product development for them and presenting that NPD um, as early as in the next two weeks. Um, so we've got all the new product trials happening at the moment and they're delicious. Okay. Um, I'd tell you what it is, but I'd have to kill you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's not you killing me, it might be coronavirus. So yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> oh dear. Um, but yeah, so new products, um, continuing to try to you know disrupt categories where there is that option of highly sugary Mm -hmm. date-based products and then the highly processed um not good for you additives preservatives artificial uh so i think we've really found that exciting space in the middle yeah because even Um, looking at hearing and this is why i love doing the podcast because yes to hear your story and to and for others to hear your story but it's you opening up a whole kind of different mindset to go so when i now look at your bars when i go into coles when when we're allowed when it's uh, <laughs> you're still allowed to shop there yes, <laughs> please yeah. buy my bars to look at it to go yeah that that is that point of difference and yeah you just open it up whereas you've known that for years whereas someone like me who works in this world day in day out yeah you would just go, oh, another protein bar, another natural bar is on the market. But now I can see it clearly go, no, that's actually a completely different yeah. consumer product. Yeah, and that's, our, it, that's yeah. our challenge. It's about trying to communicate that in a really clear and yeah. simple way um, without me personally sitting down with every potential yeah, customer yeah. and being like, this is why. Um, but I think, you know, coming back to the motivation behind Koja, mm-hmm. Um, our tagline is real food feel better and I think you know that really plays into this well even just this conversation that we're having right now and how I'm really motivated to try to um, convince you that those protein bars aren't (laughs) good for you and I think like it comes back to (laughs) we're going to talk off air because I'm going to need to swear (laughs) I'm not going to do that on the podcast but um Part of our tagline is feel better. And I think that is the motivation for Koja. Like I've gone through my own personal journey Mm -hmm. with health and realizing like, you know, I learned the hard way that all those products, whether they're sports nutrition products or um, diet products or heavily processed like sugary products, they don't make you feel good. And I think food and the, the way that we eat and the type of food that we eat and how much we eat really does make a huge difference on how we feel. And I think that comes back to my motivation behind the whole business, which is if we eat well, we feel better, and that gives us the space in our lives to do the things that we really want to do and you know, have more time to 
achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. Um, but I think a lot of people are so stuck in their ways of eating high sugar products or you know even the 3 p.m snacks if it's a high sugar snack you get that blood sugar crash afterwards and you feel tired Mm -hmm. if you do that every day you think oh i'm just tired because i didn't sleep much last night but if you start to make changes Mm -hmm. and then realize how good you can feel it i think you know you've got to really learn that for yourself but that is my motivation and that's why i do what i do so that more people can essentially feel better <laughs> it's a great it's a great branding and i always ask this question on the podcast if you were to redo this again what would you change or what have been the biggest hurdles that you kind of go oh i wish i would have yeah. That differently. Just to... Yeah, it's a tough one because I think like I'm so grateful for everything that I've learned along the way. And I think being an optimist, I think most business owners and entrepreneurs have to be pretty optimistic. So you do kind of just um, every hurdle you take and go, okay, well, what did I learn out of this? And that was good. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing I would change, and again, I say this kind of, you know, um, not completely true because I'm so grateful for everything that I've learned through it. Um, and I think a lot of learnings, ha- you have to go through the experience to really learn it. Um, but I I spent a lot of the first half of running this business, like maybe the first three years, thinking that I needed a, a business partner or an investor or, you know, some someone that would come along and, and help me or show, tell me what to do. Or I really didn't believe that, I could take this to a multi-million dollar business all by myself. And I think now, um, almost six years in, I've turned down a lot of investment offers over the years. Yeah. I ended up getting investment on Shark Tank yeah. and then turning it down yeah, after okay. filming. Um, so I'm now at the point where we are a multi-million dollar brand and I've maintained 100% ownership of the business. And only by turning down all these investment deals or offers that just... Um, felt wrong yeah um i've learned that i oh, actually i'm pretty good at this yeah. <laughs> i can do it, like it yeah. i don't know everything yeah. but i'm pretty happy to learn mm-hmm. and um obviously i've got a great network of mentors and staff like our team here is incredible i've always got people who i can call anytime day or night and be like oh god this just happened <laughs> she's hitting the fan yeah. what do i do um but yeah i, I think Throughout the last five and a bit years, or almost six years, I've realised that I, and just like built up my confidence and realised that I can do this. So the only thing I would change to yeah. really answer your question is just not waste just, all that time in investment. Anyone that's gone yeah. through um, seed funding or an yeah. investment round knows how much energy you put into it. Yeah. And to, to turn it down at the end is, um, I spent a lot of time doing that. That's good learning. So yeah, it's, good learning. Uh, Every every episode, someone has always given little nuggets. That I hope other people who are listening will take on board. So I yeah. appreciate your honesty and feedback. Yeah. And to finish off, how do people see the stuff you do, the stuff the brand does, and they can go into calls? Absolutely. Uh, where's where would you send people? Um, so to buy the bars, uh, calls uh, or koja.com.au, so K O J A. Um, we're on socials as Koja Health, and my email is kate at koja.com.au. Perfect. Thank you. Good luck, and I look forward to hearing more from you. Awesome. Thanks, Thank you. Ben.